With amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a special edition of Locked on ACC. We have a great show here on today. It's a two-parter. So we're going to talk about the Atlantic and the Coastal Division. I've got all of my co-hosts in one setting. I'm super excited about the opportunity to get all the friends together. The band is together. We haven't had an opportunity where everyone gets to talk. I feel like it might get a little rowdy, and I'm okay with that. But we've got a lot to discuss here. We are going to go over the Atlantic teams and then the Coastal teams, some season predictions, where we see everyone finishing towards the end. Any special players we want to shout out. And then, of course, a little bit of conversation about that alliance, that alleged alliance that we have going on for our conference. So let me introduce, do the little roll call. Starting out on Mondays, we have Ken Gibbs from Locked On Wolfpack. Ken, thank you so much for joining. I'm, I'm grateful to be here. Also, if we're a band, um, if we're Destiny's Child, I would like to be the Beyonce or Kelly. That's, that's my only request. Don't make me Latoya Luckett. That's all I ask. Thanks. Wonderful. And then also you'll hear him every Tuesday, J.J. Jackson from Locked On Blue Devils. J.J., thanks so much for joining. Candace, it's an absolute pleasure. Let's have some fun tonight. hundred percent. A.J. Black here from Locked On Boston College. We go on those Wednesdays, those some days we get you right. Thanks for having me on, Candace. No doubt. And then on Thursday, we got Tyler Aki from Locked On Syracuse, and he's always holding it down with that great insight. Can you please let the people know how you're doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I feel like we're packed in here, like sardines, all of us on, on this call right here. Yeah, we, we, we make it work. And that's the beauty of all of this new technology. All of our friends can be in one place. And then finally, Freestyle Friday holds it down. We always have, we're done, posted by the end of the week. So we just have fun. Drizzy Drake in the building from Locked on Seminoles. Drizzy Drake, how you doing? I'm doing good, doing good. I can tell that, you know, the bonds and the alliance right now are a lot stronger than the alliance that we saw the past, you know, press conference <laughs> at the Pac-12 and the uh, ACC and Big Ten, so. Yeah, 100%. Well, again, thank you guys all for joining me and we're getting right to it. Have a full show on the Atlantic. We all know the king that sits the top being Clemson, but there are plenty of opportunities and maybe some teams that might find their way towards the top this season. And I want to start with AJ because a lot of talk has been around Coach Halfley and whether or not he can make some noise with Boston College this season and maybe interrupt Clemson's perfect season. I would love to get your takes on that and then We'll round it out with other people's thoughts on that. So, yeah, I mean, Boston College definitely opened some eyes last year under Coach Athley. I mean, they showed showcased a, an offense that you just didn't expect. Like they, you know, they for a team for five, seven years that was just grounded pound. All of a sudden they come out there and they have this dynamic passing offense and a quarterback that looks all all conference. Right. And, you know, they battled Clemson. They battled UNC. They battled Notre Dame. But they ended the season six and five. So. You know, the, the look is is positive. Look is positive. The big issue with Boston College is uh, the defense. The defense is still not there. I don't see them having a defense that could take out Clemson this year, though the offense could still put up quite a few points given the, the power and um, the talent they have there. A hundred percent. And think about it when you come to the middle of the pack here. Boston College seems to be one of those teams that may be climbing, but you've got of FSU and NC State kind of flirting with being the number two teams in this division. So I would love to hear from Jersey Drake, your thoughts on the Seminoles 
and if they should be in the conversation towards being the best team in the Atlantic. Uh, for the best team in the Atlantic, no. Uh, I'm not going to go that far, but I think that we actually could definitely challenge for that number two spot. I think Norvell is coming into a year, a very important year, that he kind of knew that he had a lot of problems coming in. Uh, but he has got, I think he's got a solid quarterback twist right now between a much improved Jordan Travis from what I've seen in practice, as well as a Mackenzie Milne. If he's anywhere near 2017, 2018, Mackenzie Milne, I'm getting right behind that, as well as transfers like Jermaine Johnson and Brandon Moore. And people forget that when Miami, you know, flipped their roster, their roster over with the transfers, they actually won nine games that year. So I'm seeing a very similar trajectory with Florida State. 100%. And then can, you know, obviously Florida State is in that, trying to compete for that number two spot, but NC State's been right there and pretty consistent. What are your thoughts around Coach Doran and the Wolfpack? I mean, when I look at this team and I look around the conference, the question becomes for me, I think that this team is very good. And the question for me becomes, what are the question marks with the Wolfpack? You have a, a sick quarterback situation where your quarterback, one, who was the better guy who was hurt last year, is coming back. You have a situation at your wide receiver position where almost everybody who caught a pass, pretty much everybody who caught a pass not named Kerry Angelon, coming back. You have an offensive line where everybody is coming back, including an all-world center in Grant Gibson. Defensively, you're the, you lost the best run defender in the country in Aline McNeil. That's pro football focuses great. But other than that, you bring in the Kelly Durden. You bring in uh, guys who, at the end of the day, up front, you'll be fine because everybody's saying that Savion Jackson's taking another step. Daniel Joseph's come back. Josh Harris is apparently slimmed down. Then you look at the linebacking core, which is one of the best in the country, not just the conference. One of the best in the country with Peyton Wilson, Isaiah Moore, Drake Thomas, Vi Jones. The names just keep on coming. And even you got uh, some five and four star recruits coming in that linebacker position. Then the secondary, we're back healthy. We're not playing walk ons anymore back there. So to me, this is a year where Doran has to win double digits. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Anything less than 10 is a grave disappointment. Okay. Before I have the guys kind of come at and debate this decision of NC State getting at least 10 wins, we got obviously someone who's at the bottom of the pack. Tyler Aki locked on Syracuse. I would love to know your thoughts when you're hearing guys talk about their teams and kind of getting hyped. To me, it feels like this is a season where a show and prove for Coach Babers and the Syracuse Orange men is necessary. I mean, we don't have to talk about Syracuse. <laughs> we don't have to, right? But since you asked, I mean, yeah, it is a big season for Dino Babers. I think that's where the excitement for Syracuse football comes from. It's, okay, is this team going to be good enough Dino Babers to return next season. I think Orange fans are kind of split right now between, okay, we want to see drastic improvement and ride through the, the, the Dino Babers era, or we want to see this thing bottom out so we can restart. And the sad thing about potentially restarting is that not only is it going to really reset the, the current era of Syracuse football, but it really could derail the next five, seven, maybe even 10 years for Syracuse with the recruits and all that stuff. And, it, it to me, all the progress and all the steam that should have been bottled up from that 10 and three season back in 2018, all of that can go away in an instant. And, and for that to happen would be absolute organizational malpractice for it to get to the point where now you're looking at a team coming off a one and 10 season. Yeah, 100 percent. And after hearing all of these guys talk, JJ, I'll kick it to you. Have you been convinced that any of these teams, and maybe not even these teams, some, any team in the Atlantic can take down Clemson, the mighty Clemson? I don't know that one argument was necessarily greater than the other uh, from what we just had to list. As the Duke guy in the room, 
can we just get the basketball season already? Uh, and I, I know, Second we'll, we'll, yeah, I know, I know we'll get to uh, the, the coastal in a little bit. I just, I don't think it matters in terms of who the second best, because they're not going to challenge with Clemson, whoever that second team is. So, uh, you know, it's just kind of up in the air who it could be. I, I think that NC state obviously um, has good reason to, to contend for that spot as Kenton sort of alluded to uh, same could be said for Florida state. I, I think Florida state, is destined to have a much greater year than they've had in years past. Um, so I, I think those two teams could surprise. I know we don't have Louisville representation tonight, but I really like what Scott Satterfield is doing there. I think uh, similar patterns that he had at Appalachian State will begin to translate a little bit to the ACC. But at the end of the day, it, it doesn't matter. This is Clemson's conference. It's Clemson's division for sure. And uh, that's my biggest takeaway. A hundred percent. Well, Jersey Drake, I would love to have you respond to that and your thoughts on Florida State and what JJ just mentioned. Um, I think where we definitely, I mean, it's really weird, like, you know, the past few years, because when I went to Florida State for 2011, 2015, my, like my worst year was losing to Florida once because between Florida and Miami, we were 9-1 against them while I was there. I was there for five years, folks. If you guys can do the little math, you'll, you know, victory lap work at the end. <laughs> but I really do see a huge step forward moving in. It's mainly because of all the kids we're bringing in. Uh, one of the big problems that actually FSU did have was the APR. When Jimbo, you know, left in the middle of the night, you know, towards Texas A&M, our APR was 942. For those of you that don't know, if you go below the 940 threshold, you miss a bowl game, you get suspension, and you also lose scholarships. And that was the one thing holding back behind uh, Willie Taggart because he needed to turn the roster over. COVID actually kind of gave us a little bit of an out because you were able to help kids transfer out and help cut kids or, you know, send them off to the merry way without having APR repercussions. And you see that right now, I think when Norvell came on, I think we've had 22 or 23 players leave the program in such capacity. And now that he's bringing guys, I have the same mentality as him. So I, I definitely see moving forward that we're definitely in a project for the right direction to hopefully at least, I think for the four for this team, six wins and I protect them as much as eight. So. hundred percent agree. And honestly, I want to kick it to AJ because I'm sitting here like, guys, are we not hype on Boston College? Why are we not hype on Boston College? So, so, please, please let me know. I, I've, I've been through enough with Boston College for 10 years. You know, I, I dealt with that team that was uh, the 3-0 and game against Wake Forest that was one of the worst football games I've ever seen in my life. So I, I have this tendency to sell hard on my team because I've just been, I've seen them fall and fall and fall. And now, that being said, listening to the rest of the ACC talk, I should be a little bit more positive because this is a team last year that took Clemson to the very end. You know, BC went into Death Valley. I know it was during COVID and, and Trevor Lawrence wasn't playing and DJ had just made his first start. But BC went in there. They punched them right in the mouth and they were with B, they were with Clemson till that very end of that game. So, you know, if, if Jeff Halfley can get that team clicking and he can get that defense just improved enough and get that offense going and the offensive line playing a little bit better. I mean, I don't want to sell BC short here because I think they could be better. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for more than 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How'd you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. 100%. And before we transition more over to predictions, and again, I'm assuming it'll be Clemson, I would love to know thoughts around 
what is a really talented uh, quarterback conference. So DJ, as you mentioned, is going to probably be one of the best. We're going to get to the coast and talk about Sam Howell in a second, but Mackenzie Milton's in the mix. We have Phil Dracovic in the mix. I would love to know how you guys think that they are going to fare and are they going to be kind of competition when it's all said and done to a Sam Howell in the coast? Uh, I, I just want to say uh, we may be a little remiss in not mentioning Devin Leary in this conversation. Oh. I mean, he's been mentioned by almost everybody you can name as the quote unquote uh, breakout player of the year for the ACC going forward this year. And the stats in his limited time playing last year, if you average him out over a season, even if you hamper him a little bit to say account for bad games, he's at about 3,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. I mean, that's, don't get me wrong here. Yes, it's a small sample size, but you're absolutely right. This is a conference that I don't think any other conference can say we have the quarterback play at the ACC does. Not a single one. The Big Ten, some of those quarterbacks, I'll tell you what, I don't know what high schools they went to, but um, I know that they probably wear some triple option or some wing tee or something like that because that's the, the Big 12. Defense is optional, and those quarterbacks still can't get it done. Uh, like ours can, and and the Pac-12. I mean, do they even play football over there? I, I wait, you know. But that's that's another story for another time. Long story short, this conference, even excluding Devin Leary, loaded as far as quarterbacks go. Even on guys that you look at as quote unquote bottom tier, still very very good quarterbacks. I think Brendan Armstrong in any other conference is talked about as one of the better guys out of the group. So I I, I agree that this is a loaded quarterback uh, conference. Now, I would love to touch on DJ Ugalele and J, uh, yes, JJ, please allow yourself the floor. I think that, you know, better insight, you cover SEC schools as well. So you see some strong and talented. Do you think he can fare, especially coming out the gate, playing a Georgia? Yeah, he, he's definitely got a big challenge coming his way in that game in Charlotte versus Georgia. That defense is, is loaded. Once again, Kirby Smart does an outstanding job on, on that side of the football. Uh, I'm right there with Kenton, though. If, it, if it's not DJ, let's give Devin Leary some love. His game last year mm-hmm. at, at Pittsburgh, throwing over 300 yards and, and four scores. I'm there with you, Kenton. Like, Leary can play. And uh, the, the biggest thing with any quarterback is, can you stay healthy? And if you can solve that, then you're going to get to know them on a much larger scale. Clemson's got success and dudes all over the field. The fact that they've got Justin Ross coming back from the injury he suffered where uh, with the spinal cord issue, you never knew if he was going to play football again, is outstanding. If you're throwing him the football, that makes DJ's job a whole lot easier, and the world's going to know his name. They they don't know how to say his name, but they're going to know his name at the end of this upcoming football season. A hundred percent. Tyler, I would love your thoughts because you have great analysis on players and always kind of give that best individual take. And so let me know who you think is going to stand out in the Atlantic when it comes to maybe quarterbacks or even in the receiving core other positions? Well, just to talk about the quarterbacks as a whole here, I think the one thing, when you go one through seven in this ACC Atlantic, every single school's quarterback situation, with the exception of Clemson, who's the big bad wolf in this entire scenario, has improved from last season. Whether it's guys having another year of experience, whether it's teams getting healthier at the quarterback position, or whether it's teams bringing in competition to push the guy who was number one from a season ago, where, okay, guy who's supposed to be number one starts to struggle, guy number two is a much better backup situation than it was from a season ago. As for a guy that I really like 
I think Devin Leary is a, a great pick, but also Phil Dracovich. I, I really like what he's doing and what Jeff Halfley is doing too, because the year one to year two progression with a head coach, I think is something that you talk, you hear all these coaches talk about it, whether it's college or pro. Sometimes it takes two, three, even four years sometimes for the offense to fully get to where they need to be. And I think with Djurkovic getting into that year two, I think he's a guy who could take a significant leap. But overall, this entire division, this entire conference, much better quarterback play. A hundred percent. And I think when listening to Phil at Media Day talking about the fact that he barely, well, Coach Halfley kind of telling on Phil that he barely knew the playbook and was kind of just flying by the seat of his pants. And he still did as well as he did. I think everyone should be a little bit nervous. That makes me nervous from the sense of Boston College shouldn't be slept on. But the biggest, you know, uh, curveball I think that is going to be this season is Mackenzie Milton. We haven't seen him play. I think that he is going to be the starting quarterback. And I'm interested to see how he comes off of an injury. Well, you know, his whole journey in trying to be the starter at such a prominent university. So please, Drake, enlighten us on that point. So I think it's really interesting to how the two big name quarterbacks actually in the conference, you know, for when it comes like NIL or basically come from the same situation where Mackenzie Millen had his knee injury, leg injury two years ago. And Derek King is coming back within eight to nine months, you know, from the same injury during the bowl game. With that being said, I'm of the optimism that I, I honestly don't think Mackenzie Millen is actually going to start against Notre Dame. And that's mainly because I think that actually we're going to be hearing an announcement very soon with the next three to four days that it might be Jordan Travis moving forward, mainly because I have heard a lot that the leg issues might be coming a problem. He's been pulled out of practice a lot recently. He didn't scrimmage last week, but I think it's more from a low management standpoint. And I think that with him, I would not throw him out first game back against a CFP, you know, contender in Notre Dame. I would honestly see him moving forward, like starting from game two against Jacksonville state. Cause like, well, we saw Mackenzie Millen a few years ago with UCF. He was dynamic. He was a gunslinger. He was probably, I think Kellen Moore, I think is a very good comparison for him. And with our wide receivers too, that we need a little more run. We need to be on the same page with more up the games before we put him back in. I think Jacksonville State would be the best state for him in that game too. So I think honestly, we might see him in a few packages for the Notre Dame game to spell him off. But I would, I would be shocked honestly if Jordan Travis is not the starter. That is very interesting. Thank you for enlightening me on that because I was all McKenzie Milton. But see, that's oh uh, me too. I love, I, I love the guy. The guy's, <laughs> the guy is hands down apparently the best passer in the week. Like I've seen some clips. I have had a friend of mine go over to practices before they're closed down, and like they, he looks amazing with the arm, but it's the leg. He needed like we saw Alex Smith when he came back. We all thought he was gonna be great, and then he kind of sparted out a little bit against the first game when he got back. So I think with him, you need to take him back a little slowly and put him against Jacksonville State, which is still a good F- FCS school. But I think that you need to slow him. They need to get him up to gain speed, you know, with the right competition. 100%. Not to mention he's a national champion too. Like, don't forget about that. Uh, okay, we're not doing that right now, my man. We're not doing that to the fourth month, man. I get my brother went to UCF. I get enough of that from him. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting that people claim like don't claim it unless it's outright yours. That's all I'm gonna. Say. That's my three cents about. It. Well, that's that's not necessarily fair because remember, before 2008, nobody was out. It was you were all over the place. You had the year where Auburn won it, but it was partially. Who else won it with Auburn? Can somebody? Help me out here. It was the year with Cadillac Ooh. Williams, Jason Campbell. Who? They, oh, they damn. That's a, that's a throwback USC. and a half, man. USC. I thought it was USC. They, they, so, I mean, you know what I mean? Until the BCS came out, there was no outright. And as, as the Auburn University grad in the chat that's also on an AC, I'm, I'm a fun guy. Uh, the fact that we brought <laughs> up UCF beating Auburn in the Peach Bowl, like I'm just, I'm haunted right now in a lot of ways. 
No doubt. I definitely understand that. But I again, I don't think you claim something that's not truly yours. I, I'll claim it. I'll be just like the <laughs> ring me now. Ring me yesterday. You get the ring size up, set up and everything too. There you go. <laughs> it's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all pro and college football action. Get the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at BetOnline. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and receive a 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo, Make a Bet, on the Thursday, September 9th, season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait and take advantage of the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is your online sportsbook expert. Well, we've talked a lot about offense, but clearly there are defensive guys who are going to make names for themselves. We have some people who should have been defensive player of the or a person who should have been defensive player of the year last season. I asked them that at media day going over to NC State, but they seem to have one of the stronger defensive cores. Be, I mean, I put Clemson and then everybody else, if I'm if we're just being honest. But defensively, I think that NC State probably is one of the better teams in the Atlantic. And I would love to hear your thoughts kitchen around that. You know, this, this is a, a very interesting situation for me because, like I've already talked about here, this team is bringing almost everybody back. Aline McNeil is a huge piece. You don't often find 320 to 330 pound guys who have pass rush juice. That's rare. But Aline McNeil was that guy. He had movement. He was a a guard-to-guard type of defensive tackle. Anytime you wanted to run in there, yeah, it ain't happening. But with that being said, when you replace him with an NFL-ready guy, thanks, by the way, Florida State, I appreciate it. When you replace him with an NFL-ready guy, when you replace him with other guys who, I mean, it's it's like replacing a great player in any sport. You don't just replace them one for one. You get a, a concerted group effort to replace them. That's what's going to happen there. Like you already alluded to, the player that I, not just I, that everybody with two eyes, except for the ACC voters for some reason, believe should have been the ACC Defensive Player of the Year, the guy who had more solo tackles than the guy who actually won the award had total tackles, Peyton Wilson, he's a menace. He's a menace. I had Ryan Roberts of Rise and Draft on, and uh, he said that it's rare to find linebackers who are hash to hash in college because the hash marks are so wide, and yet he is that. So to me, this team as a group, the only concerns there were was about the defensive backfield. You bring in the Cyrus Fagan, you get back a Chris Ingram, you get back a Tayshaun Smith, you bring in or you have another year of experience that Tyler Aki was referring to earlier, just guys having a year of getting beat up on. Guys having a year of doing the busted coverages where, oh, they went two by two. I thought it was trips. I did the wrong thing. Great. You know, you know better, do better. This defense to me, they're they're by bar none, the one of the best defenses in the conference. 
And I'm even tempted to say defensively, they're only a step or two behind Clemson. Tyler, I would love your thoughts to that in response. Yeah, I, I think this year is so fascinating defensively, too, because what did we just talk about? How many good quarterbacks are there in this conference? Week after week after week, you're going to have to prepare for a top-tier quarterback. And if you don't get one one week, well, you're probably getting one that's twice as good the next week. So I, I'm interested to see once we get to the late stages of October, November, injuries start to kick in, all that stuff. How are we going to see some of these defenses get run down a little bit? And maybe they're a little bit better than some of their final numbers might indicate. That was a team that a season ago, defensively, was pretty good. And if you look at the, the Syracuse defense from a season ago, I think a lot of it was the fact that the offense was so bad, could not stay on the field, that it ran the defense into the ground. And the best defense is not having to play defense at all. So when Syracuse is out there for so many minutes, yeah, when you're getting crushed in time of possession, the defense is going to inevitably hold and really struggle down the stretch. 100% agree. AJ, we'll love your thoughts in terms of the fact, well, the fact that Boston College isn't the best defensively, but you clearly have seen in your division that there are some pretty good defenses you're going to have to go against against Phil Dracovic himself. Yeah, I mean, especially when you look at a team like Clemson, you see, you see what kind of defense they can bring against a team like Boston College. And I think that's going to be Boston College's downfall. Like, and when I talk about what their issues are, their defensive line, their linebackers are a big question mark going into this season. And you look at a team like NC State and you look at a team like Wake Forest, where I think is, is much more balanced than uh, BC, at least at that piece. And, and Louisville, I like how their defenses look compared to Boston College, where BC has, you know, guys, you don't know who's going in. They lost their defensive tackle from last year. They lost, you know, both of their starting linebackers. And I think um, you, you're seeing a lot of talent out there on defense. And that's how you beat a team like BC. And I think that's what we're going to see this year. 100%. Rounding out the field, Jermaine Johnson. The second, I believe he has uh, two eyes in his name. He, he does, is he someone does. who is supposed to come in and help this young defensive core right out the gate. Do you think he's going to make those strides and be an actual, you know, what's the word I'm looking for, force this season? I think so. I also think that he can definitely get double digit sacks this year. Primarily, I can definitely see him getting at least 10 because I think he's used to, I know Kenton mentioned like a few weeks ago how he, didn't do that much while he was at Georgia. I mean, he was a reserve defensive end. There were, I think, Azizo Jalari and other, you know, first, second round, third round picks that were drafted from there. But I, he has the already the practice against SEC offensive linemen. So going against AC offensive linemen with, with the lower tier schools, like no offense, like for Syracuse, maybe a lot. I know your offensive line has been a very, very an issue for the past few several years. Like, trust me, I know my offensive line. Has been lightly. Offen- yeah, my offensive line has been offensive since 2015. So I just I know that firsthand. I definitely see him. Elevating the floor because we haven't had a solid pass rusher since Brian Burns. And we're known for at least having great defensive line play, whether it be Timmy Jernigan, Mario Edwards, Eddie Goldman. Jermaine Johnson should be the next one moving forward. And he, he has taken the leadership role so well because these kids are really, really young. And our best prospects are at the line are true freshmen right now. And Joshua Farmer and Sean Bray Jackson. So I definitely see him moving forward, probably being the linchpin of that defense. And I'm excited to see it moving forward. And I want to shout out actually Corey Durden at NC State. I'm one of the few defenders with him from Florida State. I think if he stays really, really healthy, that was his one main problem. He can be like, I want to say like a second round pick kind of talent. I think he's that good. And Cyrus Fagan too at safety is a great, is a great, great pickup for you guys. Oh yeah. I mean, it, I, I 1000% agree. And um, you know, the very interesting thing is 
what a world we live in where Boston College's weakness is now the ground and pound. Like, what a world we live in where if you want to beat Boston College, what you do is you bring in two tight ends and you bring in that big, heavy 220, 230-pound running back you got. You say, all right, I'm going to test you out in the middle. That's, that's an amazing. Let me tell you, I'm saying this because I played against Boston College when they had Andre Wood. Now, that man had thighs so massive he couldn't wear jeans. <laughs> and it was, we were on his Heisman highlight because he ran over one of our safeties and didn't break stride. Like, I, I, I know that that's hard for some people to imagine, but if you listen to this, visualize a track runner running, right? Now, imagine a human getting in front of them, but, like, the human bounces off and they just continue running in that stride. Yeah, that's how embarrassing it was. And that's to, to hear, I think that Boston College had one of the best linebacking cores in the nation last year. I think that they were right up there in terms of best linebacking cores in the ACC as well, of course. And so for them to lose so much, I mean, people don't realize how much good defensive tackles help out your linebackers. And so to lose that and your linebackers, whew, that's, a, that's a, a tough, tough deal there. But Jermaine Johnson's a guy uh, that, you know, I like him a lot. I, I, I'm always high on good defensive linemen, but man, I, he's got to show me something. He's got to show me. I, I get it. I know that there were, there's bad dudes in front of him, but guess what? You're at the FBS level. You're supposed to be a bad dude too. You are the all American. You got to go out there and be a dude just like they were. You know, it's, it's, I hope that Jermaine Johnson can produce this year and look good. Cause it's, it's good for the conference when everybody's good, but I, I don't know. I just haven't seen much yet. Well, I appreciate those thoughts and sentiments. And I want to round out this conversation about the Atlantic as we switch over to the coastal. But again, we mentioned it's Clemson and everybody else. But I would love to hear your thoughts about what Clemson needs to do this season to ensure. And this is from every for everybody. What do they need to do to ensure that they are victorious from the end and are still on top of the Atlantic and it's all said and done? We can start with Drizzy Drake. They need to beat Georgia week one, which I don't think they're going to do personally. I think with DJ, that being his first, I think second big start after the Notre Dame game. We saw him last year. He had those freshman moments. I know they, I think they have Justin Ross. I think as you, as you being the two main wide receiving threats. I'm just really terrified that Georgia is, needs to make a statement. I think Kirby smart finally has the quarterback that, you know, he's not pushing away for Jake from, from state farm, whatever that nonsense he calls himself on Twitter. I think that he really has a good, a good, good QB and JT Downs, like a, a, probably a, first round pick and JT Daniels. And I could definitely see Kirby smart, you know, making a statement against Clemson. And then I can see Clemson maybe losing a game against, I think Boston college is going to shock a lot of people this year. I love Jeff Halfley. I think I've said it on our coaches show that I would trade my coach right now for Jeff Halfley. If we, if I could do that again two years ago. So I definitely see Clemson needs to be Georgia. If they do that, they should be fine. But if they lose that first game, then quite honestly, I don't see them making the CFP. I do think that Georgia game at the start of the year is key. I think that uh, Clemson is obviously the cream of the crop of the premier team in in the ACC. When we were kind of going through the defense, the fact that they've got someone like Nolan Turner and someone like James Golski, two major leaders on their defense, coming back for their sixth year of college football, thanks to uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, I think they're okay, right? And Brett Venables is the highest paid coordinator in the sport for a reason. Like I I think defensively Clemson's going to be fine. That game versus Georgia is going to be must watch television. And yes, that obviously is going to put more pressure on you not to lose a game in the regular season versus ACC competition. But at the end of the day, I don't think it matters. I think Clemson's still that good. 
I kind of agree with what the other guys have been saying. I, I think the defense is going to be the key to this this team this year. You know, you bring back all that talent, especially the defensive line. They got a, they got a ton of talent on that defensive line this year. And you put Brent Venables at, in, you unleash that defense. That should be able to cover up some of the freshman yips or the sophomore yips that DJ has. And, you know, I still think he's going to, he, you know, when I watched him play against BC last year, you saw a freshman that first half of the year, half of the game. He kind of took a while to get into it. Then he he hit a second gear and it was like he looked like the next coming of the next big quarterback in the ACC. And so if he hits that stride, especially if he hits it early against Georgia, watch out. But if even if he doesn't, if it takes him a few games and that defense can kind of just, you know, be the glue for them, he'll figure it out and they'll be okay. When has Georgia ever won a big game? Like, that's what I, why I'm not worried about that early Clemson game with, with Georgia. And listen, I get they have a young quarterback, but we've seen young quarterbacks thrive at Clemson, too. And so because of that, I think with with Clemson, this is a team that and this is a conference, frankly, where the trenches are so important. We've seen teams have good secondaries, but haven't had good defense. We've seen teams have solid linebacking cores, but haven't had good defenses. But this Clemson team is built to win in the trenches. and I think. Everyone talks about, oh, the succession plan that they've had at running back and quarterback and the receivers. It's really been what's been, been going on on the lines, why they've had the success that they've had year after year after year. And they're continuing to get better in that regard. So for that reason, I'm not worried about Clemson one bit this season. You know, I, I'm, I'm wearing a, a Marvel Avengers shirt right now, so I'm going to quote a character out of the BCU. I'm, I'm sorry, the MCU. Um, Ivan Vanko, if you can... If you can make God bleed, people will cease to believe in him. There will be blood in the water and the sharks will come. Why is that pertinent to this conversation? I'll tell you why. Clemson in this first game, if they lose, if they look rusty, that's not a big deal. You can live with that. You'd be all right. You know, young quarterback, like we've all talked about here, you're losing one of the best quarterback prospects ever. A guy who, if he was eligible to come out his sophomore year, would have went in front of the actual number pick, number one pick in Joe Burrow. But if you can show teams, if teams believe that you're beatable, because let's be honest, these last few years, who's thought Clemson was beatable at, at any point by any team in the ACC? I mean, come on now. And, and so with this year, with teams being much better than they have been in these past few years, if there is blood in the water for Clemson, the Sharks will come. The Sharks will come. To me, this first game is much more important than uh, many folks are giving credit to it. I agree, Tyler. Georgia does like to fumble in the big game. They do like to, oh, well, you know, the lights are a little too bright. It's a little too hot. I'm a sweat. But if Clemson cannot win this game, it may be a harbinger of bad things for this season. If they can beat Georgia, well, that people are going to look around like Clemson still Clemson and, you know, we'll do our best. But Clemson still Clemson. So I think that they'll win the win this uh, conference. But I'll tell you what, if they lose this first game, especially if they lose it handily, <laughs> the Sharks will come. ACC should be scared because now you're sitting here kind of having an alliance. Everyone wants to come together and say ACC is so great. And then you suck it up with your best team. Well, damn, like that's a lot of pressure on Clemson. They have to be the best out the gate. That's a lot. I don't know. I mean, it's too much. Clemson has been the hunted and not the hunter for the past few years. So. Congratulations. That's the lifestyle you signed up for. Exactly right. And listen, we have a great second part of this interview that we're going to switch to focusing all on the coastal. I am so excited for you guys to hear this. A lot of good 
conversation there. Make sure you tune in to the rest of the show premiering tomorrow. Freestyle Friday got a little bit spicier as we have all the five co-hosts joining us to talk then. Until next time, I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.